0: Well, once again, good morning, and welcome to Community Christian Church. As Dave just mentioned a few moments ago, we have a handful of staff members, prayer warriors, and volunteers here with us in the church, but the rest of you have joined us online, and we want to welcome you. Uh, We've been talking about this online streaming experience here at our church for quite some time now, and we finally have made it happen. We're here. And it's a brand new step for our church, but we're excited that you're a part of it. Uh, Now, on Friday of this week, I sent out an email to the church family. And what I wanted you to know, I was really looking forward to seeing you uh, on Sunday. Uh, Teresa and I missed you while we were gone, but we're back now. And we're really praying and we're really expecting that we're about to enter into a beautiful Michigan spring season, or beautiful spring wherever you're at. And my definition of beautiful includes the prospect of good health. And I know that you probably are maxed out on coronavirus dialogue, and I certainly don't want to get into that uh, very much today, but please allow me to just say this one thing. In light of everything that's been going on, we have maintained an attitude of faith and trust in our great God. How many know that God is still on the throne? He really is. And the Bible tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. And God is good at taking these kinds of things that the enemy means for evil and turning them around for our good. I mean, he has a great track record of doing that. And so, yes, we're praying for peace, we're praying for protection, and we're praying uh, that God will provide for us, but how about we pray that this would be a defining moment for the church of Jesus Christ, and that God would turn this around for his glory. Could we do that? I believe that we can. All right, we're right in the middle of a series that we've entitled "Refresh." And the goal of this series is to learn how to experience and enjoy genuine intimacy with God. And I think that that's something every believer wants. I would be willing to bet that most every believer would love to have a close and intimate relationship with God. But due to the busy and complicated world that we live in, we have a tendency to get distracted. And oftentimes what ends up happening the key elements of devotion and dedication get mixed in with everything else, and our one-on-one God time gets pushed to the back burner, or at best, the side burner. And so we decided this month to get super intentional and to spend quality time brainstorming how we can reconnect and refresh our relationship with God. And who knew a couple of months ago when we put this whole series together that this was going to happen, and that we might have some extra time on our hands. And if that's the case, if you have a little extra time, then I'm going to challenge you to spend some of that time refreshing your relationship with God. And this morning in lesson number three of the Refresh series, what I want to do is talk about living a satisfied life. Can I get you to say that wherever you're at? Living a satisfied life. And I mean today, right now, in light of current situations, not hoping and praying someday you might be happy, or someday things might go well for you, or someday you might get your big break. I'm talking about living a satisfied life today. And right along those same lines, you may or may not be surprised to learn that when surveyed, Half of the people living in America are not satisfied. 50% of us are dissatisfied. And keep in mind this was a statistic BC, before Corona. That means that one out of every two people that you come in contact with, they are definitely not happy campers. Not happy in their marriage, not happy being single, Not happy where they live or where they work or where they go to church. Not happy with the way they look or with their weight. Not happy with their pastor or with their president. Just plain unhappy. One out of every two. And here's another statistic that caught my attention. When asked, six out of ten married people. So this time around, even more than 50%, more than half... Of all married people said, it doesn't matter what I do or how hard I try, it just seems like my spouse is seldom satisfied with my efforts. You see, at times, even the most sincere and loving heart can become a black hole of dissatisfaction, devouring relationships, possessions, and good times, all the while demanding, I need more, I want more, there has to be more to life than just this. And friend, the absolute truth is, God is the only one who can truly satisfy. And the reason that God is so good when it comes to satisfaction is because he created us. He's the one who wired us. He knows what makes us tick. Please listen to a few selected verses of scripture. You can follow along on the screen found in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 14. I'm not going to read them all. One of the most prophetic and poetic passages anywhere in the book of Psalms. One of my favorites, and of course, it's a Psalm of David. Psalm 103, verse 1. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And one such benefit, listen, he forgives all your sins and he heals all your diseases. How many diseases? All of them. That's reason alone to praise him. Praise the Lord, O my soul, who redeems my life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies... See here, God satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Verse 11 For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for us. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed, he remembers we are dust. You see, God's memory is a whole lot better than ours. Sometimes we get spiritual amnesia. We forget stuff. But God doesn't forget anything. In fact, God's memory is impeccable. And one of the things that God remembers that sometimes we have a tendency to forget is how he made us. God formed us and fashioned us from the dust of the earth the New Living Translation says God knows how weak we are. The message says God remembers we were made from mud. From what? From mud. Do you know how to make mud? Dirt and moisture. Friend, let's not forget. Because of the way that we were formed and fashioned, our human flesh has a tendency to drag us down. And if we truly desire to be changed and transformed, and we don't want to remain stuck in our human weakness or stuck in our mud, then what we need most is a continual and daily refreshing in God's presence. And it starts with the realization that God is the only one who can truly satisfy our souls. That our ultimate happiness and fulfillment must be found in him. And so in Psalm 103, a long time ago, David nailed it. And in verse 5, we read it just a second ago, Psalm 103, five, David said God satisfies. He satisfies our desires with good things. A companion verse to Psalm 103, 5 is Jeremiah 31, 25, where God specifically said, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. These are the things that God does for us because he's a good God. He satisfies our souls. And again, the reason that God is so good at securing our satisfaction is because he created us. He made us. He knows what makes us tick. And the latest research confirms what we desire most. And now I'm talking about what's at the top of every individual wish list, and that's the desire to be happy. We all want to live happy and fulfilled and meaningful lives. But the problem is, we're seldom satisfied. Remember the statistic I shared just a few moments ago? We're seldom satisfied. We're rarely satisfied. Listen, once a highly anticipated adventure or activity is in the history books, what do we do? We're on a spirited quest for the next big event, like what's next. And more often than not, any prior appeal or excitement becomes relatively insignificant in a very short period of time, almost overnight. So let me say it again. We are seldom, we're rarely satisfied. Take King Solomon, for instance. Solomon was the smartest and most brilliant man who ever lived. God gave him a gift of wisdom, and that one gift that God gave to him thrust him or promoted him to the head of the class. And Solomon was able to experience in this life everything you could possibly dream of or imagine. But listen to what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Solomon basically said, I had it all. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and for me, this was reward for all of my labor. Yet when I surveyed all my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun." friend you can go right down the line and you can make a detailed list of everything that you think could possibly bring you satisfaction and happiness. And you want to know Solomon's response to all that? Been there, done that. What's next? Because this is all meaningless. So please allow me to take you through the book of Ecclesiastes for just a moment and to hear Solomon's life testimony as he wrote it out. This is what Solomon said about his life. And remember, he's the one who experienced it all. He had everything this world has to offer. Solomon said, I applied my mind to study and explore all that is under the heavens, and I have received the best and greatest education of anyone who ever lived in Jerusalem, and I can tell you education will not satisfy. Solomon said, I cheered myself with a good bottle of wine countless times, and I've been buzzed to the point of being drunk more than I'm willing to admit, and still my overall satisfaction level remained relatively low. Solomon said, I built multiple homes, planted beautiful vineyards, designed breathtaking flower gardens, spent hours and hours in work-related projects, but when push comes to shove, it was all pointless. I've driven chariots of gold, owned more toys, stored more stuff, stockpiled more wealth than you could possibly shake a stick at. And I must admit, it doesn't take long for the novelty of all of that stuff to quickly wear off. Solomon continued, I am by far more popular, probably more conceited than all of my peers. And my fame has stretched to the ends of the earth. Even when the Queen of the South came to visit me and shower me with gifts, she said to me, King Solomon, honey, the stories that I heard about you, at first I didn't believe them. But now that I've had a chance to meet with you personally, I want you to know that the stories that are being told about you don't even begin to accurately describe your splendor and your majesty. You see, during his one and only lifetime, Solomon was able to amass and achieve a tremendous reputation and it was all true. And yet by his own admission, all of that fame All of that fortune and stardom brought him very little satisfaction and happiness. To use his own words, it was all meaningless. A chasing after the wind. And you want to know why? Do you want to know why after everything that Solomon had and everything that he experienced, everything that he accumulated he had very little joy? That he was not a happy camper? Well, the Bible tells us why. The Bible gets very specific in 2 Kings chapter 11 and lays it all out. And the reason why Solomon felt that everything was meaningless is because the Bible tells us specifically that Solomon allowed his heart to be turned away from God. You heard right. Solomon allowed his heart to be turned away from God. It became cold and divided, and he did not serve the Lord with full devotion like he had once served him. In other words, Solomon became distracted with the busyness of life, and he lost his intimacy with God. And it wasn't so much what he did. It's what Solomon failed to do. You see, he didn't protect his God time. He didn't refresh himself continually in the presence of the Lord. And make no mistake, God loved Solomon, loved him like a son. God loved Solomon as much as he loved his father, King David. And he continually went after Solomon, tapping him on the shoulder, speaking his name, calling out to him, trying to get his attention. And God did not turn his back on Solomon because Solomon got involved in all kinds of sinful activity or because he broke the commandments of God. No, the scripture is very clear. Solomon turned his own heart away from God. You see, the whole refreshing process is not just doing less. It's doing what counts. Getting involved, getting involved in what matters most Having a vibrant and a fervent, a growing and productive relationship with God and cutting back on some of the things that don't satisfy is certainly a step in the right direction. But if we're ever going to find true meaning and true happiness in this life, then we have to engage God in life issues that really count. And from my perspective, what matters most is a life that is fully surrendered to God. That's what brings the greatest joy and the most lasting satisfaction. Living life to the fullest and making daily deposits in your God account. And so in the time remaining this morning, I want to give you two ways to do that. Two ways to invest in and refresh your personal intimacy with God. I'm going to give you both ways up front and then we'll take a look at them one at a time. Again, two ways to refresh your intimacy with God. Number one, replenish your own soul. Can I get you to say that? Replenish your own soul. Number two, replenish someone else's soul. Okay, great. Replenish someone else's soul. Those are the two ways. Replenish your own soul, replenish someone else's soul. All right, let's take a look at the first one. Replenish your own soul. In my short list of how to do that, includes prayer and Bible study, devotion, worship, church attendance, or for now online, service, uh, giving, serving, no surprise there. But here's the downside of everything that I just mentioned. Unless you have a heart-to-heart, ongoing, on-fire relationship with God, all of what I just mentioned will simply become more entries on your already packed to-do list. And I don't think any of us need any more activity. What we need is rest. And I'm talking about spiritual rest. Psalm 62 verses 1 and 2 says this, my soul finds rest in God alone. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress and I will never be shaken. According to Psalm 62, who's the source of rest? God is. My soul finds rest in God alone. And that word rest in the Hebrew doesn't mean to be lazy, take a nap, or become a couch potato. It literally means to refresh and renew yourself to recover strength. And oftentimes in the scripture, you will find these two words, rest and waiting, used together. Like in Psalm 37, for instance. Psalm 37, verses 3 through 7 says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. We sung about that earlier, how faithful God is. Don't feed on fear, but on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall bring, give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He, God, shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the new day. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do you see that? Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And again in the Hebrew, this whole concept of resting and waiting means to dig in and become intertwined together. It's like a rope. A rope is strong because it has many strands coming together, all being tightly wound together. That's what makes it a tenacious and unbreakable cord. See, when we spend time with the Lord, whether it's in church or in worship or for some prayer time, what matters most and what enhances the whole refresh experience is if your heart is in it. Did you hear me? If your heart's in it. Nothing else matters. Not guilt. Not obligation or being compelled to do it. Not feeling like it's the right or the noble thing to do. What's really important is making a heart-to-heart connection with God. Because God always looks at the heart. He always examines the heart. And just going through the motions of faith or having just a shallow relationship with God, that's never going to satisfy your soul. We have to learn the whole resting and waiting process, which means to dig in spiritually, to trust in God's word, to stand on his promises, to feed on his faithfulness. And to know that God cannot fail us. So that's the first way to refresh our intimacy with God. To replenish our own souls. The second way is to replenish someone else's soul. To actually recharge someone else's empty tank. And what I want to do here now is uh, tell a story. This will be uh, the last story that I tell today. uh, And then we're going to close our time together. You know, just a couple of months ago, I buried a a very close friend of mine, a friend that I've known for over 40 years, in fact, closer to 43 years. His name is Gary Toivonen. Gary started attending Community Christian Church back in 1992, and he faithfully served this church for nearly 28 years. And his death came as a huge shock to me. And I'm just now... Uh, starting to be able to talk about it without becoming emotionally overwhelmed. You see, I never thought in a million years that when I went to the hospital on the morning of Wednesday, December the 18th, to pray and visit with Gary just prior to a surgical procedure that he was having, that it would be the last time that I would ever talk to him. Because following that surgery, Gary slipped into a coma, And never regained consciousness. And just like that, a man that I had admired, a man that I thought was invincible and probably would outlive me, was gone. And the reason that Gary's death bothered me so much, the reason that it messed me up and and, and caused me to grieve, is because to me Gary was much more than just a friend. He was one of my spiritual mentors. And over the 40 plus years that I've known Gary, on occasion there were times when he was a huge pain in the neck. But God continually used Gary to replenish my soul. When I first met Gary, and this was many, many years before the start of Community Christian Church, I was a brand new Christian. And Gary had already been around the church for quite a while. At that point in fact he was an elder at the church that we were attending and from the time that we met the time that we started our friendship again more than 40 years ago gary took a personal interest in me and he would occasionally check up on me when i left the police department and became the youth pastor of the church full-time that's when gary would call me on a regular basis he'd swing by the church office at lunchtime to pick me up, to go to lunch, or he'd treat me to a round of golf. And whenever I was in Gary's presence, whenever he made contact with me, he would always look me right in the eye and ask me how I was doing. And it wasn't just a part of our casual conversation. After he asked me that question, he would wait for an answer. And the reason he'd wait for an answer is because he cared. He was genuinely genuinely interested in how I was doing. And if I would share some personal challenge that I was going through or adversity that I was facing, immediately Gary would try to offer encouragement to me. And then he would also follow up as well. On many different occasions, when I shared some personal problems with Gary, he would take them home and we'd bring those issues before the Lord. And he would pray about them. He would literally spend time in prayer. Then he would search through the scriptures and try to find some kind of biblical advice or counsel that he could pass along to me. And of course, he couldn't always fix the problem that I was going through. He he didn't always have the answer. But he always let me know that he cared. He always followed up and he always made contact with me. And over the years, I can't tell you the number of times that God used Gary to refresh me spiritually. And I mean, lift me from a place of discouragement and despair and get me moving in the right direction again. Quite honestly, during the early years of Community Christian Church, after the sweet and short honeymoon season was over, And after the excitement of a new church plant had passed, it was Gary who encouraged me to press on uh, when I thought about calling it quits. And just a couple of months before Gary died, when he kind of had a sense that something was going on in his life and he wanted to talk to me about death and all of that, we had a very intense and heartfelt conversation. And it was during that conversation that Gary specifically told me that some of the most fulfilling and satisfying times of his life were spiritual assignments that God had impressed upon his heart. And I'm talking about assignments that came directly from the Lord where he was prompted to pray, encourage, strengthen, and speak truth into someone else's life. And friend, there's not too many things on this earth that can rival that. In addition to all of what God gives us, the blessings that He graces us with, the benefits, the amount of good things that our faithful God does for us, nothing can compare with knowing that the Lord has used you to alter the spiritual trajectory of someone else's life. I mean you talk about refreshing in the presence of God. Proverbs 11:25b says, "Whoever refreshes others, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed." Let's bow our heads for prayer. In just a moment or two, Amanda's going to come and she's going to close out our service in song. It's a beautiful song entitled, You Satisfy My Soul. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do during this song. Just take a couple of moments and reflect on our service this morning. I'm going to ask you to just think about some of the things that I said. And maybe ask God to reveal to you What side of the refresh equation you fall on? What do you need most? Do you need to replenish your own soul? Or do you think God is asking you it's time for you to replenish someone else's soul? I can tell you this, either one of those two actions will bring satisfaction, the kind of satisfaction that only God can give. And so, Father, in these closing moments, we just thank you for our time together. We thank you for the peace and the presence that you make a part of us, even when there's so much crisis and so much storm taking place in the world. I know there's a lot of churches that have joined in prayer. Uh, The president has called for a, a National Day of Prayer today. Lord, we join with all those churches who are praying for the people. They're praying for our communities. They're praying for our nation. Lord, we believe you're going to turn this around You're going to do it through your church. This is a great opportunity, Lord, for us to revive ourselves first, to refresh ourselves, to discover what true intimacy with our great God is all about. And Lord, you've given us two ways to do that, to find rest and waiting upon you, and to reach out to a thirsty soul among us. I pray, Lord God, that you would move in our hearts, that you would speak to us, that this would be a brand new day for your people. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.